This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of All the Social Ladies. I'm Carrie Kerpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and today I am here with Brandy Blackwell. Brandy is a senior marketing manager at Tijuana Flats. She oversees all social media, public relations, local store marketing, and new store opening efforts. Uh, Tijuana Flats is a tech. Mex Restaurant, which is a central Florida-based restaurant chain with more than 110 units spanning over six states. Now, she joined in 2008, and during that time since she's been there, it's tripled in unit count and exceeded $100 million in annual sales. So she's been a part of kind of a rapid growth company, which is a really great thing to learn about. Eh? Uh, prior to joining Tijuana Flats, Brandy served as public relations coordinator at Anson Stoner Advertising Agency. So she's got really good experience on both sides of the agency and brand side of the equation. And I'm thrilled to have her here today. Welcome, Brandy. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks for having me yeah. on. That was oh, quite the intro. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. So, Brandy, tell us a little bit about the story of your career. I'm really excited to hear about uh, how you came into the space and how you, you kind of took this all on. Tell me all about it. It's actually been quite interesting. So I, I was an advertising major at the University of Florida and wasn't sure exactly where I wanted to head and where I wanted my career to go. And I started at Anson Stoner, the advertising agency, mm-hmm. actually helping more in uh, the PR department. So um, I, my interest was more in the account management side mm-hmm. and I ended up, I only stayed there about a year during, you know, the recession and lots of clients coming and going and lots of advertising budgets getting cut and, uh, you know, wasn't the, the PR side of it there wasn't quite the sex in the city, uh, yes. you know, Samantha side. So <laughs> you know, I thought, well, okay, what do, what do I want to do now? And um, Tijuana Flats was a very well-known brand um, as I was growing up in Orlando. And I decided that uh, I, I saw a job opening with them and figured, well, that sounds fun, you know, go into the food industry. And you know, didn't know a whole lot about it. I was only about 24 at the time. And um, I actually started overseeing the local store marketing program for Tijuana Flats. And Essentially, with only a couple people and only having about 40 units, we were running very lean. We all sort of wore a bunch of different hats. And um, as the local store marketing department developed, um, I also uh, took on more roles, you know, purchasing media and and doing some of our public relations. And um, we were working with an agency for quite a while, uh, probably upwards of 10 years. And eventually, uh, we brought everything in-house. And that happened within the last two years. And so part of what I took on was the public relations and social media side of everything, in addition to some of the other new store opening plans and managing um, still LSM efforts, because that's a big part of our company culture. 
Wow. Um, that's kind of so, where I am today. And so it's been a learning experience for me, to be honest with you. You know, I'm not the typical 20-year-old who's immersed in it. Um, so I really had to focus on learning a lot of it. Well, I love that story because you really have grown up uh, within Tijuana Flats. When you listen to this, like coming out of your first job out of college, it wasn't exactly what you thought it would be, this kind of glamorous world of PR. And you go into Tijuana Flats and now you're part of this kind of very lean organization that's growing rapidly. Talk to me a little bit about the concept of how you're learning as you go, because I really, I, I hear that from you. It's like you took on all of this responsibility. You ended up taking in-house the stuff from the agency and learning to do all of that. Was it difficult for you as kind of a young person just entering the workforce to kind of learn all of this as you you went or did you feel that maybe your education had totally prepared you for this? Oh no, not at all. I think, I think if anything, <laughs> um, <laughs> if anything, I would say that my opinion is marketing in general is, um, is really hands-on. You have to go out and actually do it. Um, to really, to really know, I think what part of it you like. I mean, for number one, I, I love working on the client side. I think some people can agree with that. Um, However, I think also, uh, you know, uh, marketing, well, any, a lot of careers, but marketing especially is, is a constant, evo- there's, it's a constant evolution. And so, you know, if you don't keep up, you're going to get left behind. So I think that the trends are changing all the time. But in addition, uh, you know, what, when I was 24, <laughs> there was no Snapchat. Um, you know, I wasn't on Facebook when I was in middle school or anything. You know, that was probably my freshman year of college when that immersed. So there was no paid advertising. All of that's evolved. Just, you know, Facebook's evolved, all of the apps. I mean, not everyone had an iPhone when I was in college. Uh, so really just trying to, to, you know, I don't think you ever really, really master everything, but just trying to learn as you go, going to conferences, making sure that you're following other people's trends are also really important and um, got to go in and do it. So it sounds like in one, while you were learning as you go, it kind of made sense because social is all about learning about new trends and learning new networks and all of that, right? That's right. And I also think different social media forums and different apps um, are geared towards di- different demographics. So it's really identifying your demographics and your followers and who you want to target and knowing how to reach those consumers. And so how do you know for Tijuana Flats? Talk to me a little bit about this. So you took social in-house, and so now you're responsible really for all of the content and social media around this. How do you know what networks are good for Tijuana Flats and why? Well, first off, I think just bringing it in-house really helps to show our brand voice. We're a very vibrant, eccentric brand that's filled with a lot of innuendo, and therefore that needs to be translated you know, into our social media platforms. Um, for us, you know, we do skew a little bit younger. However, you know, we really, you know, we really have a good millennial following, but we also, we've got our Gen Xers and even older. Um, so what I like to do is really look at the, you know, look at, look at the demographics on those platforms. So for example, um, I can go in and, and see on the backside of some of the analytics with Facebook, I can see who our followers are. I can see if they're men or if they're women. Your Snapchatters, 71%, I think the last thing I read, 71% of Snapchat users are millennials. Yes. You know, so really finding those platforms. And, and, and one thing I think it's important to do, to really focus on a few platforms and do them well 
versus being everywhere. You can't be everywhere unless you've got a team of a thousand people. Um, so just focusing on a few and really trying to, um, you know, put a lot of effort into those. And so how do you know which trends to kind of go for and which trends will be a passing fad? Like, what do you use? Is it a mix of gut? Is it looking at the data, like you said, and looking at kind of the, the demographics behind something? When do you know when to pounce? Well, I think just by history is proven, things like Facebook aren't going away um, and nor Twitter. Um, so we focus on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. They're all extremely established platforms. Mm -hmm. uh, and what we, and what we try to do with those platforms is basically make sure that we know all of the happening trends within the platform. So what's available to us, whether that's boosting post, whether that's, um, the percentage of, you know, video that's seen organically by your followers. Um, same with Twitter, what the difference is in, in getting to somebody's newsfeed or a post going viral, um, you know, well, the difference in if you're going to pay for a, a, a Twitter post or if you're going to just focus on organic content and making sure that that's going viral. Um, so just really trying to figure out what resonates with your followers. So those three platforms are what we really stick with. And then, um, you know, trying to, we're actually starting to strategically plan um, different, a whole plan for Snapchat, you know, because that's obviously something that intimidates a lot of, um, you know, a lot of marketing departments because <laughs> basically you're coming you, it's very intimidating because you you know you want to have a strategy for that it's not kind of okay whatever's happening today I want to post on it um, to really be successful and then you have to gain followers and keep those followers so that's that's something that we're about to dive into right now but trying not to spread ourselves too thin I mean I'm the person who really oversees all of our social media and with um, pretty much you know very little help so that being said I also have to make sure that I'm taking on platforms that I can actually keep up with and do well at. Absolutely. And the thing with Snapchat uh, that I found, I just wrote about this today. It's funny that you, you should say that, although when this airs, it won't be today, but uh, eventually I'll probably <laughs> link to it in the comments somewhere. Um, uh, Snapchat is totally a counterintuitive user experience. If you're like over a certain age, like it's very different. Like the concept even of like swiping versus scrolling and, uh, mm -hmm. how, it, how you interact, it's just very, very different. And so it's very scary for marketers and it's so intuitive for like young people who are growing up with it. It's, it's, it's a wild example. I think it's, it's like what Facebook was to older people, you know, years back, probably 2007 or so pretty crazy. It is, and just, I mean, just trying to gain followers on it is much harder. Yes. And then also, you know, coming up with um, content that's not put, selling the whole time. And that's Absolutely. something that we have to focus on with all of our outlets is making sure that we have a nice blend of um, posts so that way we're not just pushing messages in people's face and saying, you know, buy something, buy something, because that's the first way to lose those followers or to have them you know, delete all your posts or not even see them. Absolutely, Brandy. So it's interesting that you said that about the selling. I'm, I'm curious if you were to step back and look at Tijuana Flats and you said, why is Tijuana Flats in social? Looking at the overall kind of strategy as to why you're there. Tell me a little bit about why you're using social media. Well, I think most businesses are going to probably tell you the same thing. And it's, our goal is to build sales. Yeah. And uh, anyone's lying to you if they were to say they're not. Um, yep. So 
you know, you don't want to oversell, but you're trying to build sales. So how do you do that? Well, a lot of it comes down to the sentiment that people, you know, have towards your brand. So for example, one of the things that I think is great about our brand is the service element. So we have over the top guest service without really paying for it. Um, and, and value, I mean, we're a value brand and the importance of that is that, you know, we want to make sure that that's seen in our post without directly necessarily saying it. Um, so you can show examples, you can show examples of, um, you know, people having favorable posts. We had a post that went viral recently that was about how one of our managers gave every single day, gives free water to kids that wait for their parents in the parking lot for no reason, you know, just provide them with shade and water. And we reached organically, we reached 60,000 people out of the 116,000 followers, you know, so that's the type of stuff that, that really resonates with people, but also um, builds positive, a positive reputation for your brand gets across what, what we do. And, and, you know, I think the post was little things make a big difference and, and you'd be, shocked at, at the reactions to it. So it's really about communicating the value and getting it kind of across and interesting and, and way, ways that reflect the brand and then having that then tie back to sales. Ultimately, without, it all without overtly sales, right? selling, without, right. I think it does, but I think through, you know, a lot of the reasons that people think about your brand and want to come visit your brand is because they think positively about your brand or they think that your brand, um, is a community member and helps the community and, and does those extra things, not just that you have good food, you know? So while you want to remind people about your food and post pictures, and that's a typical thing that you would think, or any discounts that you have, um, that community piece and the um, culture piece is really, really essential for us anyways. And when you're looking at your social media, how are you measuring its success? How do you know? Obviously, when a post goes viral and gets 60,000 shares, it's successful. But what do you look at in terms of elimin- uh, determining the overarching success of everything that you do in social? Are you looking primarily at engagement, at reach? Is it a mix? Is it a tie back to sales? Is it coupons? How do you measure the success? Well, engagement is really important to us. So, um, you know, it's great if our, we keep getting new likes and 100 new likes this week and we have more likes than other people do and, and such. But really, if they're not engaging, then they're not seeing they don't they're probably not caring about the message or they're not seeing it. And so, you know, we did, we measure our ROIs based on we have a we actually have a third party company that we use that aggregates all of our social media um, data on a daily basis shows us by location, shows us by market, however we want to look at the information, brings in our surveys from our website, but really takes in all the pieces, the Google+, Plus, the TripAdvisors, um, the Yelp reviews, brings that all in and aggregates that information for us and really measures it and grades it. Um, so wow. it's easier for us to see if there are any trends. Yeah, I highly recommend it. And there are many companies out there too. We happen to use new brand analytics, but um, there are plenty of companies out there that do this. And even um, even our public relations software that we send out our releases for on the backside has a really great system that, that analyzes our social media feeds. I love that. I love the, um, the concept of using the third party for analytics. It's great. Well, and, and, you know, they have some that focus more on Instagram or some that focus more on Facebook. So it's really great to have one that really pulls everything in and gives you a, a, a broad look at um, how everything's happening. So it's not just your social media, but it's what people are saying out there, you know, on any forum, um, stuff that we're not even 
putting stuff, you know, things on, right, right, putting posts on. So I think that's important to remember. It's not just about the the few things that you put your time and money into. So, yep, we use that, and and that's a way to measure it. Um, and you know, we also try to really measure it through again the sales aspect. So tying some type of tangible uh, promo code to some of our mm-hmm. offers. Mm-hmm. It's been really, uh, we're just now getting into that. So if there's something that's on Facebook, it has a specific promo code that's a, a unique code. So it's not either reusable or if it is, we know it's coming from only social media. So you, you have different tests that you can do. And that's that's how we've done it. Are you leaving some social media to the stores? And if so, how? We actually are mainly um, a corporate structure. So we do have master pages. Uh, we do have a few location-specific pages with franchise partners that we've approved their content and we have a very strong relationship with. But yeah, we do focus on when we found that it is, it is very, it's been very difficult to give people the autonomy to put things on social pages. You find that sometimes, you know, it might not be professional the way it's written. It may have a typo and that's just natural. Things like that happen. Um, so a little more quality control has really helped us. So having some form of control over it, um, but giving some of the franchisees uh, an opportunity to contribute sounds like that's that's a really good right. Way to go. And and then we also take specials from different locations, corporate and franchise, and you know, target them for them. Uh, or you know we'll post them. They have live music once a week. You know we'll post it a couple times a month for them to promote it um, specifically. So we do try to use our main page also to you know help support individual locations. And so it sounds like geo-targeted posts are really kind of important to the brand. They're definitely important since we don't have, you know, since we do focus on one, um, you know, we have a master account for everything. But I will say that without spending a little bit of money to boost posts, um, it's some, you don't get the same, uh, from my experience, you don't get the same reach on some of the Mm. geo-targeted Post. Yes. You know, part of that is that, you know, we're, we're really searching for new followers in different markets where we're not as established as well. So it, you know, when you don't have the, the base in other places and, and then you're only getting to a percentage of that smaller base anyways, then it, it, it becomes a little bit difficult. So Brandy, what would you say is the biggest challenge? I've heard a lot about the great success at Tijuana Flats and it sounds like you've done amazing things there. You should be so, so proud. I want to know Thank what you. some of your biggest challenges are though. What would you say is the biggest challenge facing Tijuana Flats in social today? Uh, I would say the biggest challenge is really cutting through the clutter. There's so many brands out there. Um, there's so many people on social media. It's not a thing of the past where only a few people were on Facebook and it wasn't, you know, every person's on Facebook, every person's pretty much on Instagram and most people are on Twitter and being able to reach people's news feeds, being able to get your information in front of them quickly and uh, concisely is, is probably the biggest challenge. I mean, as we all know, we sit there and we it's an addiction and we just scroll through our Facebook page right. quickly and we miss right. things. So, so you've got to find content that is, has the ability to, to be shareable viral if it's organic. And, you know, I would say that the biggest challenge is just is getting in front of the consumers you have and the consumers you want. 
And do you, Brandy, do you produce all of the content that you create in-house? Do you have a video team or like what are you doing to get content that cuts through the clutter in that way? Sure. We um, have an in-house designer that focuses on our creative. So we work as a team to develop some of the content internally. Um, We have just, I will say that our consumer base provides a lot of really fantastic content that uh, we that we are able to share and to to you know use and I what I love about that is that people feel like they're part of something bigger when you're sharing their content and you know it makes I, I would say that you tend to make them feel special and and a part of something bigger whenever you're sharing their content so it's a combination um we are in the process of starting to work on some video um, again, another thing that I would say you really need a, a budget for because you need to do it right. So absolutely, you know, unless you get the funny, like we had somebody do a really funny rap at one of our stores, at one of our employees, um, that's really great, you know. But I think he had said a couple things that probably weren't appropriate. So we're still <laughs> needing to add. We're not, you know, it mainly just I don't know pricing that wasn't correct or a, a, a you know maybe a curse word or something. And so trying to um, make good video because otherwise it's, it's not really something you want to share unless it's something that is, has some really strong content. I, I don't believe in sharing just to share. I think Absolutely. it's important to really have something that's, that's solid, especially as you get to be, you know, you grow and you get to be a little bit of a bigger company. You can't just put anything up and hope that it catches on. And it's kind of like what you said about it needing to cut through the clutter. Like if that's the challenge, then you don't want to just post anything and everything that's, that's not really quality or won't resonate with your fan base. So you're right. You're dead on. Awesome. Yeah. And then when you've got a big millennial following, you know, they very much, they know, they know about a lot of things and you know, they want cool things. They want, they want Absolutely. cool stuff to look at. Absolutely. So it's important to be, oh, yeah. to really try to be, to be relevant. I love it. I have one final question for you. Is it hard being a social media person when you get home? Do you want to shut off or do you want to be on there more? Like, are you addicted to it? Can you shut it off when you get home? Does working in social make you kind of love it or loathe it? Um, it does make me want to disconnect from it when I'm home, I obviously can't do that, but I have learned that everything isn't always an emergency. And by doing it, it's, you know, and by monitoring it, you do realize that some things can, can wait and some things can't. And for me now, I'm barely on my own Instagram. (laughs) I'm barely on my own things because I'm constantly on Tijuana flats. Um, Yep. You know, and that's my priority uh, however, I also think that, you know, I answer the complaints as well as the positive comments. So there are times where you're just, you just want to have it, some positivity and, and you do see some of the negative that comes on the backside of it too, especially in a restaurant Absolutely. concept. Absolutely. Well, Brandy, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'd love to know where people should follow Tijuana Flats and where they should connect with you. Sure. Um, you can follow Tijuana Flats, it's just Tijuana Flats, T-I-J-U-A-N-A-F-L-A-T-S. It's tijuanaflats.com, and the same goes with our Twitter handle. Um, and you can find us in, under Tijuana Flats on our Facebook. Um, and then anybody can connect with me on LinkedIn, 
send me a, a message. Um, I'm on my private Twitter a little bit, but not much. So I would say LinkedIn is probably the best way to connect with me. And it's just Brandy Blackwell. Congrats on all that you've done at Tijuana Flats. You should be really proud. And it sounds very, very exciting. Can't wait to see what's what's next. And we'll look for you on Snapchat. Yes, absolutely. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com. This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com.